Welcome to the Bold Scientist Under the Shower. This is the our Christmas uh, Christmas uh, show. Uh, so I will just uh, remind you that uh, the Bold Shower Under the Shower, Bold Scientist Under the Shower, is on air every second Tuesday of the month. Today is the 11th of December. We have a a Christmassy uh, guest with us. Uh, um, she's uh, obviously uh, a scientist. She's not bold. I mean, bold. She's B-O-L-D. Uh, <laughs> she's not B-A-L-D because she's a, a beautiful woman here. Annalisa Bellizza with us, uh, talking uh, about um, science and technology study. Uh, hi. Annalisa, how are you doing? Hi, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, uh, thank you, thank you. Very honored to be here. And uh, so, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. So, um, tell us, I know that you're not, I mean, you're not, a f- not, I mean, fully, so you just started your academic career five years ago. Uh, you we already will, covered it, yeah. Yes, and uh, b- but you started from somewhere else. So, tell us a little bit about uh, you, yourself. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, well, um, I had the privilege 
to um, experiment with uh, with different jobs <laughs> before okay. recovering an academic trajectory. Um, so uh, until yeah, almost six years ago, uh, five, uh, I was um, working uh, for government or for uh, telecommunication company in government. Um, uh, What was that? My, uh, as a project leader of large-scale um, IT infrastructures. And where were? Uh, that was uh, in Italy. Okay. Because um, you are Italian, so yeah. we forgot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We forgot to mention that, very important. Oh, so the passport says. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, that was my uh, postdoc experience, let's put it that way. Um, which uh, w gave me the opportunity to discover a word that I wouldn't have been able to know otherwise, uh, which is the um, governmental uh, environment developing uh, data infrastructure, large scale data infrastructures. Okay. And in that capacity, I, well, I developed some research lines that I uh, realized I wanted to further develop in an appropriate academic environment. And that's how I, um, well, uh, basically applied for uh, European grants, uh, which brought me here to the Netherlands, uh, yeah, uh, more than five years ago, uh, at the University of Twente okay. in, the, in the East, where, uh, well, I was welcomed by colleagues at the Department of Science, Technology and Policy Studies. How is working in the Netherlands, Annalisa? Uh, well, I just worked there, actually. Okay. <laughs> so I don't have many experiences, <laughs> uh, many other experiences, but uh, working with my colleagues uh, there at STEPS was uh, great. Um, I must say that I felt uh, more welcome uh, than anywhere else. Oh, wow. um, So uh, I can uh, witness that uh, Dutch colleagues can be very warm. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm I have the welcoming. same experience. So yeah, yeah completely agree. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I joined the, the department, which is uh, internationally known as um, a department for, as I said, science, technology and policy studies. Uh, which uh, bring together uh, the science technology studies and the innovation studies um, um, research uh, traditions. Um, basically, science technology studies uh, is a meta discipline, is a, a field, if you want, uh, where uh, to analytical tools used by, uh, analytical tools developed by Uh, so sociology, history, uh, philosophy um, are, uh, let's say, uh, and yeah, anthropology as well, uh, are used in order to um, uh, focus on scientific or technology and or and technological development. Okay. Um, and this tradition uh, that was uh, that started in the late 60s, early 70s uh, was Um, also encountered innovation studies in the last uh, decade. Uh, so basically it has to do with uh, the embedding of uh, scientific and technological innovation in society. Okay, so, uh, but what, what exactly actually you, uh, you f your, your research focus on? So what is exactly the, 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 this uh, technology study applied to? 
Uh, well, <laughs> uh, technology studies can be applied to all technologies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if apply, um, we, if we can say apply. Um, Let's say uh, in my specific case, I'm interested in uh, uh, data infrastructures. Okay. So what exactly, because mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, I guess that our, our radio listener are not really familiar about uh, data infrastructure. So what, what exactly, which type of data? So let's put it like that. Which type of data exactly? I mean, not necessarily okay. exactly, yeah. but yeah. What are the um, type of data you, you manage or you yeah. like to, to, to investigate? Yeah. Um, well, more than on data, um, I focus on how data are organized. Okay. Collected, uh, circulated, and uh, uh, shared. Um, I'm particularly interested in uh, data about populations. Okay. Great. So to give a uh, very easy example in the, uh, in the Netherlands, uh, it has to do with the GBA, the Gemeentelijke Basis Administratie. Um, and I also work on data about uh, territory and space. So, for example, in the Netherlands, I did research about the, the Dutch cadaster. Uh, why? Because population and territory are uh, the two assets of the nation state. Um, if we adopt a historical perspective, then uh, we can see that uh, the nation state uh, was uh, didn't, exist um, before the, the 16th, 17th century. Okay. Um, there were other forms of uh, social order. Or, uh, so um, the nation state emerged as a form to uh, handle data. Yeah, because, sorry if I, I uh, yeah, interrupt yeah, you. Sure. Because, uh, uh, so we always uh, encounter in the newspapers and uh, news uh, some fake news as well so the fact uh, so we we are not retrusting the the our uh, governments uh, i'm talking about uh, italy because it's the closest example i have because we 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 fear or we we feel that uh, um the the governments are not really capable to manage the the all those data about territories and population but actually So you're just telling me that is not true because the definition of, of a state, it is uh, based on, uh, on data, data managing. Well, if you look at history, um, there are those uh, scholars who make it the point that uh, the nation state, uh, the modern nation state, uh, emerged as a kind of machine to handle uh, data. Uh, so not so much uh, the state, it was not the case so much that the state was there and data were um, something the state had to deal with, but rather the opposite, um, uh, in order to collect and properly uh, manage data, uh, an organizational bureaucratic machine had to be created. So let, let me understand. So the king, let's, let's, let's say the king. Uh, mm-hmm. probably in, in France, I don't know, mm-hmm. just an example, uh, was not really aware or was not really in possess of those data. That's what you are telling me before, yeah. Yeah. of course, the, the, the born of this uh, state nation. Uh, was well, it the case? So was not? Yeah. And who was it uh, yeah. instead? Who was the, 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 the owner of those data back then? Um, well, uh, with we might talk about what is data because by definition data yeah. is something which is uh, there, uh, objectively there. 
Uh, but the point is that if you don't have someone who take measures and uh, put these measures on paper files in, in, in this case, or nowadays on a digital databases, then data, it doesn't exist. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, what you mentioned is a, is a very nice story by uh, historian uh, Chandra Mukherjee. Uh, she um, uh, described how uh, in the 17th century France, um, Jean-Baptiste Colbert could um, uh, hire uh, low-rank bureaucrats uh, to send them uh, at the peripheries of what was considered to be France at that time uh, to measure uh, land parcels and uh, rivers and geographical elements. And this measurement came, uh, were sent back to, to Colbert and the central administration of the French state, uh, thus bypassing uh, the actors that up to that moment were in charge of these measurements and this, were um, there. Uh, the nobility. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So the uh, nobility had all those information that uh, afterwards the low class collect, collect uh, in a more objective yeah. way. Uh, well, the nobility was uh, in control of the space. Not necessarily, they not necessarily measure. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Exactly. So measurement uh, is uh, a quite crucial technology okay. uh, that was introduced by this bureaucratic um, uh, rationale. Uh, way of thinking for a uh, form of knowledge creation. Uh, and by introducing uh, these uh, bureaucrats, um, uh, th this measurement about uh, peripheries were created and um, constituted, uh, started to constitute at least the, uh, the assets of a central administration, um, of a central administrative power uh, that turned out to be um, uh, the uh, the French state, okay, or, so or in summary, contributed to the power of the king. Let's so, in summary, uh, the, so you are telling us that uh, the the state nation uh, was born just because the king decided for the first time to bypass the nobility and uh, send uh, in the periphery of the, the so over all the country some some low class people in order to get the measurements and the data, as we call it right now. And to get all the information necessary to 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 have a, a bureaucracy for the first time, necessary to know the space, okay. and to know the space, you needed to have a bureaucracy. Okay. So uh, it's also uh, th this is one of uh, this is a very good example of the interplay uh, between uh, technology and social order, uh, because the. Um, Uh, by uh, having this um, technological measurement, uh, also aristocracy was bypassed, mm -hmm. at least de facto, if not formally. Uh, and as such, um, also a new class of non-aristocrat uh, could uh, find a place in the emerging social order. Yeah, true. Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, this low class became the, the new bureaucrats. Yeah. yeah. All right, so this is a bit of history, uh, but this was uh, kind of uh, two couple, no, 300 years ago, 
probably a little bit uh, more now things changed yeah and uh, things changed uh, kind of uh, significantly also because of the 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 technology and we're going to talk about the, how they changed and the, how they can improve in the next uh, part of the show because uh, right now I will uh, leave you with another uh, Italian song the first one was uh, Citta Vuota from uh, uh, sang by by Mina and you will understand a bit the meaning of this uh, this song later on now there is a blue vertigo with uh, Fuori del Tempo
Scientist under the shower. Uh, this was a Blue Vertigo with uh, Fuori del Tempo. I choose this uh, song uh, because of this, uh, this, this last part of the song that uh, um, is about this, this form that you had to fill out when, uh, before the military service. And there are all this bunch of weird questions like, uh, do you like flowers? Or you, like, you, you love your mother? So all bunch of weird questions that are used uh, to, to, to categorize you in, in, uh, uh, whether you are a person that can do the military service or not, which is something quite obsolete. Uh, I don't know whether it still exists, but still, uh, it's quite in line with what we're gonna uh, discuss about, uh, right now, because, um, um, we are talking about probably not really forms, but way of categorizing people, uh, because we are talking about, I remind you, uh, data infrastructure and how can you manage this, this big amount of uh, data related to, to, uh, to states basically. So now the, 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 the question is kind of a bit, bit, um, this is kind of natural question whether uh, this this um, data infrastructure to, to to managing population and territories, like you said, can can shape somehow the the, the state nation. Can so depending on how you manage this data infrastructure, infrastructure can can change somehow the the, the aspect of a, of a state nation. Absolutely. It is so crucial. Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually my Yeah. Uh, in my research, I uh, tried to investigate how uh, data architectures um, relate to administrative architectures. Okay. So uh, we have administrative ar architectures that we inherited uh, at least from the 19th century. 
and uh, also after World War II, of course, there was there was a big fracture. Um, uh, so these uh, in, uh, institutional architectures uh, are nonetheless, um, let's say, um, uh, challenged de facto. Uh, by uh, data architectures. And this is not so surprising if you consider what I said before, that uh, the nation state uh, mm-hmm. was born as a form of um, machine to um, manage, bureaucratic machine to manage information, be it analog or digital, that's not the point. Uh, so definitely the way uh, data are collected, which type of data is collected and uh, how it's circulated across um, different actors, both um, government agencies, but also non-government agencies or international organizations. Um, uh, challenges, uh, the, 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 the boundaries of what we consider to be uh, the institutions we inherited from modernity. Um, I can probably give you an example. Yeah, please. Um, so uh, we know that uh, data about uh, populations uh, is usually uh, managed at the local level. Uh, in the Netherlands, for example, uh, by municipalities through the Gemeentelijke Basisadministratie. The project of centralizing the GBA has gone on for almost 20 years now. Uh, and it has encountered a lot of problems, uh, as you might have read on uh, newspapers. Um, uh, one reason for these problems um, is also that um, uh, the change in the way data circulate, is circulated also entails uh, changes in relations between different authorities. Uh, so you might have uh, local authorities Uh, losing um, some uh, tasks or some um, uh, rights uh, or some roles like the roles of certifying the, the data uh, are of, uh, is of good quality um, uh, in favor of uh, the, the state, so the central state. Uh, so the facto uh, data architectures when it comes to, um, especially to interoperable systems, Uh, they uh, change uh, the uh, relations between um, agencies because one agency that was supposed to be the source of data can become a user of data from yeah. one day to the other. Well, not from one day to the other, but let's say um, uh, de facto. Uh, so not because of changes in the law, but because of changes in the technical architecture. So we see Uh, the, um, there are different forms of knowledge that compete uh, when it comes to uh, population um, uh, systems, uh, management systems, identity management systems, um, and uh, in a governmental context. There might be uh, the legal uh, rationality, uh, which is expressed through the law. Uh, but it might also be, uh, there is actually, um, there are f- more technical forms of rationality uh, that are expressed through um, standards, protocols, um, archi- technical architectures. So basically by law, uh, a, a little a, a municipality has to be in charge of, I don't know, the, the data of, of a mm. citizen. But I mean, due to technicality at the end, the the the... the The, the, the central uh, government would be in charge, both of the certification and of the, the, the make-up make up of the, 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 
the data. Uh, yeah, this is uh, this has been through um, in many European countries in the last 20 years. Um, I can talk about easily in the Netherlands. Um, for example, um, when uh, Sorry, systems and, are... Yeah. And is it, uh, I mean, if you want to say something else about it, but is it your role uh, in terms of uh, as, as a researcher to let the, the governments understand that there is this this disalignment between mm. what the law mm. says and what the, the, the technical mm. problems are? Let's say um, in our uh, field, we try to uncover different epistemic forms, so different forms of knowledge and uh, explain that what is usually called, uh, what might be called failure, for example. Uh, and here in the Netherlands, we know a lot about it. Uh, failure in uh, IT systems um, might be um, a, a consequence of these different epistemic forms, not finding um, uh, ways to interact, but bringing with them different uh, interests and different understandings. So being incommensurable. Yeah. So, uh, well, <laughs> uh, ideally, um, uh, also producing a um, research about these topics uh, should be useful for policymakers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, whether policymakers are uh, listening to us, that's another story, but uh, it's also part of the new, of the skills of the new researchers to yeah. be, uh, to convince uh, policymakers to listen to her or him. In, in this regard, so it comes uh, another, uh, once again, a natural and another question, because uh, uh, you, you talked about uh, data uh, in terms of um, uh, defining population. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so it confuses me a little bit. Uh, how would you, first of all, define uh, population? And uh, what is the, I mean, probably I say a word that you wouldn't like, what is the best way to do it? Mm -hmm. So, uh, Can you uh, can you co uh, somehow uh, fill fill up some some mistake or, or some failure uh, that uh, the government might uh, um, implement in this kind of population definition? Um, well, uh, let's say uh, more than mistakes, uh, there are different um, epistemological uh, choices. Um, they can be distinguished in two, basically. The first one is the statistical uh, form of defining population, which is a priori, which means that um, I, as a statistician, um, assume that some classes are relevant for my analysis. Um, so um, I, I, I divide uh, populations uh, in terms of gender, in terms of age classes, in terms of um, economic uh, status, um, uh, status. Um, because in my um, assumptions, these are um, uh, independent variables which are useful uh, uh, to understand the problem at hand. Um, however, uh, this system uh, is usually not very generous uh, towards hybrid cases. Or uh, just to make an example, if I assume that uh, people um, uh, active in, uh, in work are those between 25 and 65, that means that in my analysis, I want to collect data about people in, uh, um, in their early 20s or late 60s. 
Uh, which means that even if these people work, they won't be represented in my analysis. So that's um, uh, one of the limitations of statistical analysis. Uh, <clears throat> and of course, it depends on uh, your research goals. Uh, I mean, statistical analysis uh, can work very well for some specific questions like um, whether there are more uh, men or women on which age in a, um, actually employed And now it would be a bit provocative because yeah. you says depends on the type of research. Yeah. So now uh, comes comes up to my mind a kind of uh, case that probably uh, is very hot at the moment, which is probably uh, not easily uh, classifiable cases that are not easy easily classifiable in this a priori uh, a priori uh, way. And I'm 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 talking about I'm thinking about the the the, the, the migrants. Mm-hmm. So do you have example about that? So uh, do you example about, uh, for instance, uh, uh, implication that, uh, uh, strong implication that uh, whether the a priori uh, classification is not yeah. good? Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, in my most recent research, in my most This is a very dynamic uh, environment. No, that's, environment. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm interested in because Um, uh, this a priori statistical analysis works well uh, when you uh, have some, you, take, you can take with a certain degree of certainty some assumptions. Uh, in the case of um, unknown populations, like those uh, arriving at European borders, uh, most assumptions uh, can just be uh, insufficient. Uh, so in my research, um, I'm conducting right now a research project on the um, representation of migrants as it happens through the data systems used at European borders, both by uh, nation states and uh, European institutions. Uh, this brought me also to observe um the registration of migrants uh, at some at some hospitals, which now are the centers where people are first registered and identified and then detained for a while, um, usually short periods. Uh, so during uh, one of these registration moments, I, uh, I noticed uh, there was a police officer who was um, 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 interviewing a woman and he had a moment uh, in which in which he was doubtful. Uh, so I asked him what was going on and he told me, you know, uh, this woman is um, declaring to be a school teacher, uh, sorry, a school director. Uh, and I don't have this possibility on the system that I'm using to record her as a school director. Uh, it was quite surprising because the system was really quite um, uh, accurate. I mean, there were also, uh, there was a possibility to register someone as a painter, as a psychologist, but it was no possibility to register someone as a teacher or, or as a school director. So that was a problem for him uh, because he could just yeah. question, But because those type of migrants were not supposed to be uh, school director, how does it work? So because the migrants from that region were not supposed... Oh, so that, that's... Uh, no, I mean, this system was developed at the national level so, okay. and it was deployed uh, nationwide. Uh, so, um, no, it was... <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a curious question because sometimes we tend to attribute to authorities more 
agency or uh, more um, uh, goals that they actually have. It was, I mean, I don't have evidence of that, but definitely the system was deployed nationwide. So I, I wouldn't say uh, it was on purpose. It was just um, they didn't realize that. <laughs> And you know. Um, so then, that, how she was classified? Uh, yeah, that uh, that's the interesting part because she was uh, classified as uh, her work was classified as other. So in the category other, uh, which was a problem for the police officer because he couldn't uh, represent reality with a um, sufficient degree of um, granularity. It was a problem for the woman because uh, uh, her working identity was basically reduced to otherness. And that's the problem or one problem with the a priori um, Uh, registration uh, of uh, populations. So the second way to uh, present or to uh, identify populations is a posteriori. Um, so instead of giving definitions, uh, you look at how uh, people are gathered together through the data that is collected about them. Um, and uh, one of my arguments is that uh, migrants as populations are created exactly uh, by the way data infrastructures are designed. Because if you spoil, uh, if you um, uh, deprive a person, in this case a woman, from her um, job um, uh, identity, her working identity, uh, then she will uh, will become other. Yeah. So uh, you deprive her of her dignity as well. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a further that's, step that's, if you that's want. That's a more, yeah. a more <laughs> yeah, ethical issue, but probably there are more practical problems. Uh, definitely, uh, in a sense that uh, her working identity won't travel with her uh, in Europe, so it will stop at the border. Um, and there are many of these cases. Um, also because we, we should start from um, uh, being clear about that. Uh, no information system is uh, fully encompassing the identity of a person. Uh, so uh, information systems are uh, thought to uh, only select some aspects of the identity of persons. Uh, identities are two complex issues to, yeah. to be represented uh, yeah, through information be systems. Uh, the reductionist uh, mm. approach, obviously. Yeah. yeah, the point is how this reduction takes place. Exactly. Uh, if it takes place um, by only focusing on uh, some aspects that um, characterize persons as uh, illegal, they will become illegal. Yeah, it's crazy. This is, this, um, yeah. If yeah. they characterize, um, uh, I don't know, their, their pos- uh, potentialities of contribution to a community, uh, that will um, support integration. So uh, the, the, the information system design is very, always a very sensitive issue. Um, and it should, should be carried on by task force of people uh, with different uh, skills. I also can imagine that some type of classification is, uh, um, is typical of the person that designed those type of classification. I can imagine that, uh, I don't know, yeah. the, 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 the how they, the, the Africa, African mi, Africa, uh, migrants from Africa can, uh, can define, uh, I don't know, family system 
in mm. a different uh, way. Yeah, 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 definitely. That's why <laughs> it would be very interesting to have uh, people concerned being registered to be part of these task forces. Uh, yeah, I had an example of, um, uh, I was told this story of 17 African, sub-Saharan African men who declared to be siblings. And when they were asked how that was possible, they said, you know, uh, we left from the same village we crossed the desert together. We went through uh, terrible uh, things together. And now we are here and we are still together. So uh, we are siblings. <laughs> and, um, and that was not a way to um, to fake the, the system. It, it was really something that they wanted to be recognized. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, the, 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 the European uh, information systems do not uh, foresee the possibility to define uh, family in this very uh, encompassing way. So I stop you here. Thank you very much for the very, I mean, uh, also emotional uh, stories that you are telling us that uh, are related to your research. And uh, I stop you here because I think that the next uh, uh, song that actually you choose is uh, very much related to, to what you uh, told us. This is uh, How to Disappear Completely from Radiohead.
this was uh, Radiohead with uh, How to Disappear Completely. So we can kind of imagine uh, why uh, you, Annalisa, chose this uh, song, but uh, you want to, uh, uh, we want to listen it from uh, from you. And actually, probably you're going to be even much more specific than our imagination. <laughs> so please. I would only like to um, recall uh, the lyrics, a part of the lyrics, um, if you allow me. Sure. Uh, because I uh, I can imagine, um, I don't want to put myself in someone else's shoes, but I can imagine that uh, these lyrics can also talk of uh, people who are in a place that they don't expect to be or they don't didn't expect to be. Um, and they, uh, they probably uh, don't want to be seen there. Uh, so th- these are, uh, this is a quotation from the lyrics. That there, that's not me. I go where I please. I walk through walls. I float down the leafy. I'm not here. This isn't happening. I'm not here. I'm not here. And then uh, strobe lights and blow, blown speakers, fireworks and hurricanes. I'm not here. This isn't happening. I'm not here. So... Um, This uh, came to my mind as uh, probably it, it's my interpretation, definitely. Uh, as uh, but uh, it reminded me of people uh, I met at uh, at the borders, who um, didn't choose to be there, uh, but there was no other place to be. Uh, so uh, despite uh, the strobe lights and the blown speakers that migration is attracting uh, in the last years um, and the fireworks and the hurricanes, uh, they prefer to think that they are not there. Um, and they uh, and that's what is happening is actually not happening. Um, so that's why I choose it. Wow. Very nice. Yeah, very nice. Very mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, emotional, uh, as I said uh, before with the other story that uh, you perfectly described. Um, so we almost, uh, yeah, at the end, uh, we actually want to talk about many other things. Uh, but uh, first thing first, um, so can you kind of summarize what are, what are the, the goals, the, the, the main targets of your research? So now yeah. I think the radio listeners have a general idea of uh, what uh, you did, what you are currently doing. But um, so what the, what what are your targets? Well, there are three types, different types of targets. Uh, the first one uh, is the scientific community um, who uh, uh, sometimes struggles to see the uh, long term implications uh, Um, of uh, technological design and implementation. So uh, the, the, the topic of my research uh, makes it quite clear uh, what the long-term implications uh, might be, not only for migrants, but also for uh, the order of authority that we know in Europe and for European integration. Because we shouldn't forget that uh, data about non-European populations are collected uh, both at the national level and the European level. So for what we said before, that the two architectures, the data architecture and, and the um, institutional architectures are not over fully overlapping, uh, uh, we might uh, look at um, how data uh, is collected and circulated as a methodological entry point 
to um, explore also or to f- scenarios of uh, longer term transformations in the order of authority uh, between nation states and Europe. Also considering the um, the role of non-governmental um, uh, uh, organizations. Uh, contractors developing information systems, uh, they have a huge role in the way um, people are represented um, on one hand. On the other hand, the way people are represented also tells something about uh, the institutions which collect data. Um, so um, I used to say that the stories we tell are uh, also make us who we are. Mm-hmm. So they don't only tell a story about the object of the story, but also tell a story about who uh, is uh, telling, <laughs> creating the story. Um, the, other, the second community are um, authorities who sometimes um, uh, might not uh, foresee uh, the implications or their technical decisions or might uh, consider technical decisions as something of minor importance once um, that in any way it's just an implementation of uh, regulations uh, while technical decisions might be uh, might bring uh, very important decisions about the life of people and we have the example <laughs> of the the school director uh, the director exactly uh, and the third um, uh, well what uh, what I would i wished could be uh, a third um, um, actor in dialogue with uh, my research are um, people on the move themselves uh, who um, I don't see why they might not be um, take part in designing systems. And we have the 17 brothers. And the 17 brothers, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those would be the first ones. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, we actually still have some uh, minutes, and uh, uh, so we we uh, one of the the topic uh, that we want to uh, address was also uh, related to because you are writing or you wrote a book. Yeah, it's almost out. <laughs> okay, so you have I probably wrote. we have a few minutes, three three minutes to talk mm. a little bit about the content. Yeah, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, but, uh, but I mean, I would like to use these three minutes to make people curious and probably invite you once again uh, to talk a bit okay. more uh, extensively <laughs> about this uh, book. Thank you. Uh, so the book uh, is called, uh, it's titled Communities at Crossroads and it's published by the Institute of Natural Cultures in Amsterdam. Um, so the Institute of Natural Culture is... Um, a uh, quite well-known publisher in um, uh, digital uh, studies and uh, digi- um, media theory and also um, digital communities. Uh, my book is actually, um, uh, um, let's say, a study of 1,000 uh, digital communities uh, which developed in the first decade of this century. So after... Uh, What do you mean for digital communities? Just for yeah. the... Just yeah. Give us some examples. Uh, so uh, assemblages of uh, people, but not only people. <laughs> so And Facebook is a digital community? Uh, oh, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, actually, the research was written uh, during the emergence of uh, Web 2, what at the time was called Web 2.0 uh, uh, hype. So uh, it was uh, written more or less around the emergence of social media. Okay. 
Um, I personally wouldn't say that it's a community, but it might allow a series of community. It's it's a um, Facebook. It's a uh, it's a um, huge um, uh, media corporation. Mm. Um, well, no, I I studied um, digital communities. Um, Uh, who one uh, thousand of these um, uh, spontaneous aggregations, um, which uh, s- participated to the um, uh, festival, probably the most uh, well-known festival uh, for uh, digital alter culture, which is uh, the Ars Electronica in Linz. Uh, in Austria, and uh, I was particularly interested, uh, exactly in uh, uh, l- looking at how people describe themselves as digital communities uh, descri- um, uh, defined what a digital community is. Okay. Uh, and I must say I found m- many different definitions. So it's a meta perspective. It's a that. meta perspective, definitely. Um, and I found very different definitions. Um, the interesting uh, thing is that these communities, these 1000 communities were coming from uh, five continents. Oh. Um, and uh, those who uh, gave a more convincing uh, definition of community were also those who uh, described in more detail how software allowed them to be a community. Uh, so once again, um, uh, software too uh, can do things, can uh, uh, support people uh, aggregating in one way and impede to aggregate in another mm. way. So uh, in STS we say that um, artifacts, in this case software, um, also has has agency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. And uh, unfortunately the time is uh, up. <laughs> I thank you very thank much, you. Uh, Annalisa. I really hope to invite you once again, probably to be more extensive about this uh, thousand digital community <laughs> and this meta perspective. Thanks again. I thank, thank you, you also, uh, Radio in the Italiana, uh, to uh, uh, host us uh, as uh, every second Tuesday of the of the month. And uh, uh, Merry Christmas, uh, uh, Annalisa. Enjoy your break. <laughs> yes, you too. And uh, I leave you about uh, Christmas with the uh, Christmas song from uh, Vinicio Capostella. Enjoy and see you next month. Costa nel giacone per non farti prendere 
Con me. Faccio 